This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode 393. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast. I am your host today, Jacob Paulson. I am joined also by co-host Matthew Marister. Hello, hello. Matthew is in his home base in Ohio, and I am here in our warehouse, shop, office, place thingy in Colorado. Yes. I think we have better weather than you, though. <laughs> For once. It's, 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 you know, any, any day could be a toss-up on that one. Right. <laughs> Especially this time of year. It's going to be a good episode. We're doing justified saves today. For those of you who are familiar with that format, we'll be covering eight. Hopefully, we'll get to all eight of our news stories, recent events in which firearm owners pointed guns at or shot guns at uh, BGs. You know, not the band, the bad guys and bad gals is what I refer to. There is BGs. So we're going to dive into that. It's going to be super fun. And if those of you wondering where Riley is, he ain't here. That's what matters. Yeah. Me, me and Matthew are here. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's the story. Today's episode is uh, brought to you by, we have two sponsors for today's episode. The first is our Fighting From Cover course. Throughout uh, today's episode, today's news stories that we're going to be covering, you're going to note that one of the themes is put stuff between you and person trying to hurt you. And in the moment, that is often harder to do than it sounds. So we have an entire course on this topic. It's over three hours long and it's like good yeah. and stuff. Very it's not good. my favorite because I'm not in it. You know, I have a little ego <laughs> fighting from cover. I'm not in the course at all. It's 100% taught by Riley Bowman, but whatever. It's good. So you can learn more about that at concealedcarry.com forward slash FFC for fighting from cover. And the second sponsor of today's show is CCW Safe. CCW Safe is one of those companies y'all have heard of that provides a membership slash, you know, call it insurance type. Uh, program where you can pay monthly or annually to be a member and access those benefits. And should you ever be involved in a firearm related or self-defense related incident, they will come to the table and help pay the bills. And uh, we're, we're fans of CCW Safe. We appreciate them sponsoring the podcast, but I can tell you I'm a member and I think that they're really, really awesome. And for a large percentage of people out there, I think that it might be your best option. You can learn more about CCW Safe at ccwsafe.com. If you'd like to see how they stack up to other competitors, you can go to our uh, chart, our comparison chart on our website at concealedcarry.com forward slash insurance. And you can see how they stack up. But there are some things you can't put in a chart. And so when I, you know, if you were to call me, and don't call me. By the way, my phone number is nowhere on the website, so you can't get my n- Anyway, but what, if I was sitting down with you at the table and we were having lunch one day and you said, I just don't know which of these companies to join, I'd say, listen, the thing you need to know about CCW Safe that's not on that chart is that they believe in boots on the ground. Yes. That, that when crap hits the fan and they get the call, their critical response team is not going to uh, you know, say, got it, we'll line you up an attorney and make phone calls on your behalf and then send checks. Their critical response team, uh, depending on the severity of the incident, uh, I can tell you if you shoot someone and they, they get a hole in them, then their critical response team is going to get on planes. They're going to show up you know, within 24 hours and start handling business on your behalf. 
And that is something that it just, it's a big deal. So anyway, ccwsafe.com, go learn more about those guys. We're a big fan and we think that uh, they have a, a great team. It's a great operation and a good product. Without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. Matthew had to chime in because I did all the talking. Okay. <laughs> so let's get into our stories and we got some interesting stuff today that the title of today's episode is justified or not justified. You decide. And this first story is going to be one of those where you're going to have to decide. So Matthew Sherman, Texas, give it to us. Yeah. You guys might've seen this video circulating on the interwebs. Um, This is obviously out of Sherman, Texas, a former, or he's still a Marine. Uh, once a Marine, always a Marine, right? So he is oh, a that was Marine. close. That was close, Matthew. You almost I almost former. stripped him of his title, but I, you know, based off of what he kind of did. But here we go. All right. So he's home. Uh, he's no longer in the Marine Corps. He's home. He hears at two thirty a.m. Uh, a dog barking. He goes outside and sees someone in his truck that's parked outside his vehicle or outside his home. Uh, so he keeps his gun on his back. This is his statement. I keep my gun on my back. So I drew down right here. I give a verbal warning three times and I said, get on the ground. You can imagine that the guy didn't get on the ground, um, and started running. So the next thing that this Marine does is fires rounds at this guy as he's running away. He fires three or five rounds. I'm sorry, through his chain link fence. Um, no indication that he struck the person who was trying to uh, steal anything out of his car or what, whatever he was doing in his, in his truck. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's, uh, it kind of goes like that. There's nobody else is injured. However, um, this guy is so fortunate that he lives in Texas and not 49 of the other States. And he's so fortunate that somebody didn't, end up getting injured because he, he makes some statements in the, in the, in the news story about, you know, I saw what was going on and, and uh, you know, I, I knew my backdrop because you can't just go willy nilly start shooting, shooting hog wild into the sky. Um, but that's pretty much exactly what he does. And, and I, I mentioned that he's shooting through a chain link fence because he hits the chain link fence and, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that if your bullets are impacting whatever it is, they're going to deflect in who knows what direction. So you may be aware of your backstop, but obviously this guy uh, was shooting exactly as he said, hog wild, a, a very bad thing that could have happened. So according to the homeowner, the Marine, he says this, this had happened previously. And the last time someone had broken into their, his truck in his own driveway, he had several things stolen, uh, including his wallet, uh, which had cash in it, his permit to carry, and a gun. So this is a Marine who used to, I don't know if he still does, but he used to leave his wallet in his truck and, and a gun in his truck. And someone had broken into the truck, stolen the wallet and the gun. And now here we are a year or something later and uh, dogs barking. Oh my gosh. Someone's in that truck again. He tells his wife to call 911. As as you said, Matthew runs down, confronts the person outside, fires shots as the guy's running away, chases him into the backyard, grabs a second gun first, right? Didn't he grab a second gun? I think that's true. Yeah. 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 Grabs a second gun, heads to the backyard and shoots some more as the BG is, is deciding whether or not to go over the fence or, or, you know, something. Uh, yeah. 
it's crazy. And I'm sure you watched the video too. And you probably, it, it, this stuck out to me. So, so it, it, it bothered me because, okay. So he says, and, and, and it's true. He says, you know, I, I wanted to defend my property because we work hard, right? We, we, we work hard for the money it's and people money. shouldn't be seen. Yeah. Exactly. And I understand, but let's like look back and see what did you do to protect the stuff that you worked for? Well, you had your car broken into before your truck broken into before and a firearm was stolen at that time. If you look at the dude's truck, I don't know if it's the same back then, but he has all kinds of gun stickers on the back of his truck. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't put gun stickers on your car. You're not, you, it's, it's, you know, illegal to do, but you're probably more likely if you're going to be looking for something to steal to break into a car with a bunch of gun stickers than maybe the AARP sticker on the bumper, right? Like there's probably more likelihood hey, if that you want prescription meds, that AARP <laughs> sticker true. is good to go. That That's true. That's true. But it depends on what you're trying to steal. But anyways, so he knows that his car has been broken into before and you leave your wallet in there. And now because you want to protect the stuff that you work for, now you're shooting at somebody in the night who's running away. And I, I mean, yeah, in Texas, there's, you know, you can, uh, under certain circumstances, use deadly force to protect uh, tangible property, but it wouldn't necessarily save him if one of those errant rounds would have struck somebody and killed them or injured them because that would only protect, you know, legal self-defense, right? Like if he's negligent or or doing something haphazardly or putting people in danger, he could be looked upon as those actions were reckless. And so he's so fortunate in so many different ways. And I think this is a, like a cautionary tale of like, you're free to do certain things, but not everything is beneficial and you should try to do the things that are beneficial. Yeah. And, and relating to endangering the neighbors, the Marine said, you know, he knows what he's doing and, you know, he was cautious where his shots were going. But what I can tell you is that none of the eight shots that we know were fired impact the target. There's, there's no blood. There's no indication. According to the news story, there's no indication that any shots impact the BG. So <laughs> where did they go then if they're not endangering? Right. So, I, yeah, I think I think we're, we're clearly on record, like repeatedly, like broken record style saying that when you look out the window and you see someone breaking into your vehicle, going out to confront them is probably a bad idea. I think mm-hmm. we're, we're good to go. We're on record there. Uh, <laughs> observe, report. Um, if you want to stealthily follow them into the night, sure, be my guest, but get you know get the police on the phone and, and let them do their job. Uh, but chasing after people shooting so that they'll learn their lesson uh, sounds like a really bad thing. And, and while Texas, note, is the only state where you can use deadly force to defend tangible property under certain circumstances, that, that doesn't make it ethical in my world. Um, I, I, I would have a serious issue if I chased out to stop someone from breaking into my truck and I shot them and they died. And I have to live with myself knowing that I did all that for the Tacoma, uh, which is insured. I might add as are the contents therein to a certain degree. So, all right, you guys can decide on that one justified or not justified. All right, moving on to the next one. one. Yeah. That's a tricky one. This is in your neighborhood. So, (laughs) <laughs> so this is Colorado Springs, Colorado. And the journalist, once again, is horrible at trying to lay this out in a way that, that makes sense. But here's here's what I pick up. Okay. 3 p.m. And we have uh, some robbers who come to a door of a residence. And uh, 
gunfire is exchanged between the, the bad guys and the homeowner. Uh, it says that it said that the, the the bad guys started shooting and then the resident returned fire. That's what it says. Right. Okay. And you know, it said a lot of shots were fired. I, I, I didn't say a number. Oh, it said a, a neighbor reported hearing between ten and twenty shots. Okay, so we have multiple assailants, and uh, and obviously return fire from from the resident. The the reported robbers drive away, and the resident quote chased them in his car, then returned later to the scene after officers had arrived. End quote. We don't know what the motivation of the robbery was, and at this point, we don't know how many shooters were involved, only that no one has been injured and no arrests have been made. All right, Riley, or Riley, you're, you're not Riley, you're Matthew. Matthew, lay it down for us. No one's been injured. Uh, we don't know how many bad guys there were. No one's been arrested. Yeah, what do you think? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm reading this story, and I'm like, I can't really imagine doing these same things. I just don't, I don't understand. Um, it's obviously if you're chasing after somebody, right. It's hard to say that you were in fear of death or serious bodily harm, right? Like you don't chase down death or serious bodily harm. You normally run from it. And so it just, it doesn't, and likely there's a backstory to this, right? Like we only know the surface stuff. There's probably some sort of backstory, something uh, deeper, but just on the surface, you know, we, we have firearms to protect ourselves and protect our families. And we should do that. But what are we actually protecting? We're protecting life. Right. And so that should be the undermining underlining thing of like, when we use our, our, our firearms, we should t- keep that in mind that we're trying to protect life. And while we're justified in using it to protect life, we shouldn't risk other people's lives needlessly if we can. And this seems like one of those cases where a whole bunch of stuff could have gone wrong. And thank God it didn't because, uh, you know, no one was injured. Yeah. Now let me throw an interesting caveat in here. Uh, it doesn't say that he chased after them in his car and shot at them. Right. Right. So it, it's conceivable that he followed them from a great distance and, and was emotionally committed to doing nothing more than observing. And, and if, you know, if they, if something had happened during this, you know, vehicle pursuit, he might've, you know, turned and got himself out of there or, you know, you know it's, it's entirely possible that his chasing after the robbers was was uh, was done in a very uh, responsible manner. That's true. That's true. Okay, so it seems like in our mind, that's not what any of us envision, right? I think what I conjure up in my imagination is dudes chasing after. He's got his gun on his lap. He's like, if I catch these dudes, <laughs> you know. But we don't know that. We don't know that. Right. For, for all you know, I don't. I don't think I would necessarily. Um, I mean, is chasing after bad guys a good idea? I think generally speaking, it's not. Um, however, can it be done in a way that's relatively responsible? Maybe, right? Maybe. And so I, I just thought I'd like leave, leave an out for this dude on that one. Um, now, here, here's the second thought, though. 10 to 20 shots fired, according to neighbors, and you know, they're horrible, reliable sources. But, but some shots were definitely fired, right? Like <laughs> gunfire happened. Bad guys fired and resident fired back. But no injuries, uh, so far as we know. I mean, I suppose it's conceivable that one of the bad guys is injured since they haven't been arrested. They haven't been caught. But... When you're talking about like gunfire erupting at a doorway of a home, it's pretty close distance. Um, so, 
is it possible that the homeowner used cover really well here that he did something to, uh, you know, he opened the door in such a way that they weren't able to really get good sights on him and he saw guns come up and he, you know, like he might have had some really good tactics here uh, or maybe they kicked in the door and came in and he was able to use cover in a way that he put himself in a strong position. Um I, I don't know. I don't know, but I, but I think that it's just noteworthy that you know, we, we might've had between 10 and 20 shots and no injuries. So a doorway is a really compromised place to be when someone's shooting at you. It's really kind of sucky. Like you all, you know, it, it's a, it's a death trap, right? Like it's a funnel. It's a, it's a fatal funnel. All these, you know, you're in a very compromised position and the way most homes are set up, um, you don't have much of a, a, an opportunity to find quick cover, right? You're probably in an entryway or a hallway or a place where you don't have something immediately available to you. So thinking about how you answer the door when someone rings the bell uh, or how you might approach the front of the home if you think someone's trying to kick in the door is is uh, probably worth thinking about. Completely uh, valid point. So you guys can decide justified or not justified. All right. Next. Number three. Well, let's see. Number three. And this one, we are in Nashville. Hey, we're going to be in Nashville this year. Yeah. That's the uh, the uh, NRA annual meetings will be in Nashville, Tennessee this year. So I'm looking forward to that because they probably have good food. Just that region of the country, generally speaking, yes. quality barbecue. Yep. Okay. Many of you are like, it's the music capital. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> okay. So Nashville, Tennessee. Officials with the Metro Nashville Police Department say that a 15-year-old was shot after a man found him in a girlfriend's stolen car. Great headline. Good job, journalist. Let me try and break this down. You have someone whose car has been stolen. Okay. It's, it's, it's unfortunate, but you know, my car has been stolen. Uh, and, and it said last week. So, you know, let's just, let's presume it's been a week or so since my car has been stolen. And the, the shooters in this case, they somehow tracked down this vehicle. It doesn't say how, does it, Matthew? No, it doesn't. They, they track it down, okay, to a, to an address. I don't know if they, you know, put up, you know, signs, you know, cars missing, please call if you see it, uh, or if they had some GP, I don't know. But they, they track down their car, okay? So they see it, right, and they, they pull it behind it, and they kind of box in the vehicle so it can't uh, drive off, okay? And then they confront the, the two teenagers that happen to be in this stolen vehicle, and uh, the teenagers make an attempt to get away. They kind of back into uh, the car that's boxed them in, and it's not going well. And so the the man whose car was stolen, he's he's you know what I, we're calling the good guy in this case. He um, shoots at the car, his own car, I might add, hitting the teen in the arm. The second teenager or suspect who was in the stolen vehicle exits and runs and has not been found. Once our good guy has shot this poor teenager in the arm through the car, I presume, uh, through the glass, from what I can see from the pictures. He uh, you know, then puts this guy in a vehicle and drives him to the hospital <laughs> with his non-life-threatening you know, shot arm. Yeah. That's about where we're at. Yeah, so they have good barbecue, and they have very kind people that 
are willing to shoot you and then drive you to the hospital. That's right. That's right. right. If you're a criminal who's worried about getting shot, you should definitely live in Nashville. They'll take you to the hospital. Right, right. I mean, here, here's the thing. Like, we can focus on the actual shooting. Like, is it justified to shoot at a vehicle that, you know, you you believe is trying to run you over or, or something like that? But, like, let's back it up and say, okay, if you're going to go look for your vehicle that's stolen, great. I mean, a lot of people do that, right? Um, when you find it, and especially if it's occupied, the last thing you want to do is try to affect some sort of vehicle recovery or take these people into custody. I mean, they stole your vehicle. They're probably not upstanding citizens. And I know the urge is to like, that's my property and I'm going to get it back and I want to get revenge or I want to, you know, exact my, my, you know, two cents of justice on these people. But this is the kind of stuff that ends up happening you know from those bad decisions and and uh you know and, and plus he's got this guy in his car that he just shot he goes to he's trying to get him to the hospital i mean that's a bad you know what i mean like call 911 call the police call uh call paramedics have them arrive on scene don't put a criminal who just stole your vehicle that you just shot and start driving through traffic to try to get him to the to the uh emergency room and you know he, he he's charged with felony aggravated assault right i mean and probably you know justifiably so yeah I, <laughs> the, well okay i missed that matthew you gotta help me out the good guy was charged with felony aggravated assault yeah wade okay. the third was charged with felony aggravated assault for firing shots through the window at the team okay well that changes everything so we now we now know that the police don't think he was justified so i'm going to come back to a couple of things you said for one i you know let's talk about driving this dude to the hospital you mentioned is that the best course of action this was not a life-threatening injury i think that's worth noting right mm -hmm. like this is not a like moral oh my gosh if i don't get this dude to the emergency room he will die and so i feel like no it's, it, his arm is bleeding Okay, his arm is like, go get a med kit from Mountain Man Medical, mountainmanmedical.com, <laughs> operators standing by, and, you know, wrap the dude with some gauze, put a pressure bandage on it, move on. You know, like, I, I, it made it very clear that it was not a life-threatening injury. Guy got shot in the arm. Um, so, but had it been a life-threatening injury, might have I driven someone? I mean, if they're unconscious and no longer a threat to me, and, I, you know, it's, it's maybe, but like you said, I mean – Paramedics are pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, EMT, I mean, I don't, this looked like it happened in a city. It was a residential neighborhood based on the pictures. All right. Uh, my second thought you, oh, I, my car is missing. I have some information that makes me think I know where it is. So I drive over there. I don't know if I'm going to find my car. So maybe I don't call the cops yet. I get there. Oh my gosh, look, there's my car. People are sitting in it. Um, is at this point, I have a choice. And I think the choice I personally would have made would be to observe and report. I think I would have pulled over, stake out time, watch these dudes, call 911. Hey, I found my stolen car. I'm watching these people. They're sitting in it right now. And that would have worked out pretty dang well. Uh, instead, boxing someone in. And then when they try to escape shooting them, and, and you mentioned this too, I'll, I'll just re reiterate that it's possible that the man shot when he, maybe these teens were going to run him over with the, like that would be the potential like uh, legal silver lining, right? Like I, I, I boxed him in behind him so he couldn't back out. And then I jump in front of the car and say, get out of my car, you thieves. Right. And they start to try and run me over. So I shoot. 
that uh, maybe, you know, bad tactics. Yes. But maybe then it would be justified ish kind of, you know, so I'm saying, but, but that must not be what happened because the police charges, dude, aggravated assault uh, with a deadly weapon, which I don't know about Tennessee, but it could be a felony charge. If convicted, this dude may never be able to own a gun again. So I'd say that's problematic. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And and, and I I mean, and think about this. I mean, I don't know the the state law there, if you have a duty to retreat or not, but you know, you don't. so, I mean, but think about this. Is somebody going to think that's reasonable if you box somebody in and they can't go anywhere but to drive the car at you? You're sort of, even if there's no duty to retreat, is it reasonable to think that, you know, you're putting yourself in harm's way on purpose in kind of instigating this this deadly force decision right so yeah are you the initial aggressor are, right. are you causing that person to feel like they have to drive away in order to flee the crazy dude with a gun who's pointing it at them right exactly so i mean i think that might have factored in and this is one of those things like even if you have a stand your ground state your your actions are still going to be judged are they reasonable or not and and maybe this is one of those things where they thought man this doesn't look reasonable um based off of where the you know he was standing or the the, the angle of the shots and things like that so yeah. Yep. 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 All right, guys, you can decide on that one. That was number three from Nashville, Tennessee, justified or not justified. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going on to number four in Chicago, Chicago, some decent Windy. cuisine in Chicago too, right? You got Chicago style pizza, you get Chicago dogs, hot dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think you can find Chicago pizza dang near in any major Metro now, but you know, and I, don't, I actually don't have any clue what's special about a Chicago hot. All right, let's move on. No idea. <laughs> so this is uh, this is from cbslocal.com. And what we have here is a, apparently a very good, kind, nice business owner who's dead. And uh, this man apparently had, had worked at several of the different stores on this little kind of street, this little business um, area over the years. And more recently, he was able to get his own store, a convenience store, and I think the this is four robbers enter the convenience store and demand cash from the drawer or they demand the cash drawer, it says. And this at 1.45 p.m. on a Friday. Uh, so our good guy, Ma- Mali, maybe, so it's, maybe something like that. Uh, Mali, he's armed, right? He's, he's behind the register. And so he tries to defend himself. Gunfire is exchanged. And our good guy is hit at close range by one or more of our four robbers. We don't know how many of them necessarily were armed. Okay. He's dead. Mm-hmm. That's that. Four guys yeah. have not, uh, or no, wait, two of the four suspects, excuse me. I'm, I'm glad I, I didn't say this wrong. Two of the four suspects were shot in their legs, I assume, from the good guy's fire. Uh, but all four ran from the scene and were arrested. Yeah. Okay. And it says a 13-year-old and a 15-year-old have been charged with first-degree murder. So we would we would presume that of the four suspects, two must have had guns, and those two are the ones being charged with first-degree murder. Right. I mean, it's, it's such a tragic story, right? Like, not only is this guy doing going about his day, and he's he helps people. He's 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 finally just opened up his own store, but he's robbed by four people that are at least two of them are under the age of 15 years old and 
committing violent crimes. I mean, that, that, that story, the, 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 and we can look at these kids and say, you know, oh, they're thugs or, or this or that, but like, this is sad. This is sad that there's groups of kids that are 13, 14, 15 years old going around robbing people at gunpoint um, and, and believing that somehow this is okay. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where you look at the story and uh, the reason why I put it in here is it's o- always sobering to, to, to remind, remember that, you know, when you get involved in, in a gunfight, the potential for you to die or be injured is just as high as the other person. And, 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 you know, we, we have to remember that we can't. And, and so, and I'm not going to Monday morning quarterback, cause we have no idea what happened uh, outside of what was reported here, but this may be one of those situations where compliance might've been the better solution, right? Like sometimes we look at videos and, and you see somebody giving up their property to somebody with a, with a firearm. And we're like, oh, if I had a gun, I would have done this and that. And sometimes compliance is the best. Sometimes it's not. And, 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 you know, we don't know if this is one of those cases, but it's, it's, it, it begs the con or it, it should be, you know, brought into the conversation that sometimes the gun isn't the best uh, solution, especially multiple attackers. So, yeah, that's tough, right? Cause we certainly have had stories on this podcast where uh, BGs have, been in a situation where it looks like they're just going to take the good stuff and go. Mm-hmm. Right. But then they start shooting people. Right. Like that's definitely happened. And so if you're the guy behind the counter, you're weighing some odds here and saying, you know, if I just give these guys the money, will they just leave? And if so, that's probably a preferable outcome, but this could be one of those outliers where I give them the money and they don't think it's enough. And so they decide to shoot me because they don't want to witness or because I saw that who, who knows. Right. 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 Um, and so to your point, we're not, not trying to totally judge that, but I think you do, you're trying to intuitively look for those um, factors that might guide you to know, you know, what the intent is and wh- how this might go down. And you're also trying to strengthen your tactical position because if four guys are standing across a counter from me, and and two of them, I'm guessing, by the way, that's an assumption, at least one, but I'm, I think there were two probably holding a gun because two were charged with murder. If two of them are holding guns in their hands, okay, then I know that tactically I am in a bad position to draw a gun and fire. Like the, the time it's going to take me to retrieve the gun, present it to target and fire, no matter how fast, is not as fast as it takes them to just squeeze the trigger because the gun's already pointed at me. So it's a little tough right? To, to think that that's probably not your best tactical decision. Probably your best tactical decision is to say, okay, I need to, I don't know how this is going to go down. I need to proceed in such a way where I increase my tactical advantage from where it is now to somewhere better. And if I get any sense that something's not right, that these guys are going to start firing, then hopefully at that point, I've increased my tactical advantage. So, for example, maybe I'm going to, uh, you know, angle myself so the cash register is, you know, is between me and them, or I'm going to get low or set lower my body of gravity, or I'm going to, uh, you know, take out the cash and chuck it so they have to go get, I don't know, right? Like, I, in this case, it's, maybe it's tough. Maybe there's not a lot you can do, but maybe you're trying to look for distractions. You're saying, you know, you're looking over their shoulders like there might be someone back there. Or, or you are, are telling them that the, you know, the alarm has been tripped, the cops are on their way, or I don't know. Like, but you're, you're trying to use your brain 
before you use your gun because if you use your gun, you're going to lose the fight you're in, right? Uh, right. As, as John Korea says, and I see someone just typed here into our chat, wait your turn, right? It's not your turn yet because this guy's got a gun in your face. And so <laughs> you got to know the go signal. And the go signal is not dude's looking right at me and is pointing a gun at me. That's not your go signal because you're going to lose that draw. Mm-hmm. So you got to be proactively thinking about how do I increase my tactical advantage? And you got to be looking for your opportunity. You got to be looking for your turn. You got to know that, hey, my normal draw speed is X. And if uh, if I get all these four guys to look that way and turn their backs to me, now I know I have enough time. I can get the gun and I can get I, I can get done what needs to be done here. Um, or I know that if I can get them to do this, then I can move here. That gives me a better position to cover. And then I've essentially bought the time, right? I've purchased it by moving to cover and putting myself in a position where I'm hard to hit. So anyway, I'm done. No, I, it, it, and I'm glad you kind of uh, clarified that because I didn't want to come across as saying, you know, um, that I was judging this guy and say he should have complied. I'm not saying that. And I'm glad you kind of, you know, cleared right. that yeah, up. Yeah, we don't know. Right. We don't, we don't know. All right. So that one was sad. That was tragic. I think it's all clear that it was justified. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think this is a, was this guy justified or not question. It's just one of those things we got to remember that despite our industry's tendency to share all the success stories, there are, there are failure stories. There are stories where we fail. Mm-hmm. And when you fail, man, the stakes are high. He's, he's dead. His yeah. life is over. Okay. And, and he, and you know, and sometimes we look at pass fail as like our performance wasn't good enough to pass, but there are certain, certain circumstances that you cannot win, right? Like maybe this was just one of those situations where these people came in there, had a determined out, outcome of, you know, I'm going to shoot whoever, uh, if, if they look at me cross or whatever, and there was just not an opportunity and, and no way that he could have, um, you know, done anything other, otherwise. So, um, it, you know, we don't always get to play, you, you know what I mean? Like we don't always get to choose, uh, the outcome, even if we do everything correct. So, yep. Yep. Your odds are higher than zero of dying when someone's pointing a gun at you. Yes. Uh, or if you work in a convenience store at all. Okay. That was supposed to be kind of a joke. Okay. We're going to Wisconsin now. Headline, knife robbery stopped by CCW. Matthew, give it to us. Yeah. So Brian covered this on our Wisconsin uh, state page. Uh, I don't know the, the how to pronounce the city. Alouez. I'm not sure. Um, sure. I'll say Al- A-L-L-O-U-E-Z. Yeah, maybe Mitch can chime in and tell us. But LUS, Wisconsin, we'll call it that. Um, according to Brown County Sheriff's Office, deputies were dispatched to the scene of attempted robbery on Saturday. Nothing out of the ordinary, but here we go. Um, when officers arrived at 2100 block of Webster Avenue around 12 p.m., they contacted a man who said that someone tried to rob him at knife point. Still, this happens quite a bit. What's so weird or different about this? The victim told deputies he'd been plowing snow with a small tractor. So this dude's out working, plowing snow, um, probably an, uh, a task that a lot of people do. And they might say, I'm not going to carry my firearm because I'm just going out to, to plow some snow or I'm just going to do this or that. Um, and so they don't, 
you know, they're not armed. Um, when he was approached by a clean shaven black male wearing blue jeans, a black hoodie, Chicago pairs stocking hat, and he appeared to be age 35 to 40. So nothing out of the ordinary other than he's a Chicago bears fan. So in Wisconsin, um, right? Yeah. Right. No, that's so, red you know, flag. Yeah. Right. The man asked the victim, which this is important uh, for money, which the victim responded, he didn't have any. And then that's when he pulls out the knife. So this is obviously a technique that or a tactic that a lot of people are aware of, but maybe you're not, or maybe somebody who's listening hasn't heard this before. But um, a lot of times people use, hey, uh, do you have a, you, you know, you have a dollar, my car broke down, I need, I, I need some gas, do you have a, you, you know, you have a light for my cigarette, you have a spit, you have a smoke, whatever, to gain some, uh, the ability to close that distance and get inside that reactionary gap and take away your, your, your ability to maybe defend yourself uh, better or escape or whatever. So obviously uh, that's what this guy was doing. And instead of his wallet, the victim produced a legally concealed pistol causing the suspect suspect to turn and flee. No shots were fired. They try to track him. They can't find him. Um, But obviously this is one of those situations where having a gun concealed on your person uh, didn't need to fire it, but it ended up, uh, you know, maybe potentially saving this guy's life. Um, who knows? But um, certainly he uh, was justified in, in producing his firearm. Um, I, 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 when I read this, I thought about it and I'm thinking, okay, it's obviously cold. There's obviously a lot of snow. This guy's plowing. He has his firearm and he was able to draw his firearm. So, which leads me to believe that this guy maybe either didn't have gloves on or practiced drawing his firearm with heavy bulky clothing over top or whatnot because you know if you go to the range and you shoot and you never wear gloves and then when you're plowing snow or out outside you have gloves on it's a different feeling to grab your gun and so uh that's something that stuck out to me and and good on this guy that he was able to 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 draw his firearm successfully that's a good point. I didn't even think about the gloves because if you're on a, uh, you're operating a machine to push snow, I got to believe it's cold outside. Right. Um, you're, you know, you're probably wearing gloves. Uh, so I think that's, that's very valid um, thought. You know, did he rip the gloves off and then draw? Did he draw with gloves on or did he just have really freaking cold hands? You know, right. I, I don't know. So that's that's uh, that's good perspective, good thought. I was thinking a lot about trying to strengthen my tactical position in that situation. Um, if someone's pretty close, close enough to ask me for money and then pull out a knife, um, they're close enough to slice me up pretty good um, without too much work. Even if I can draw faster, they can close the distance and I can fire a few rounds off, they probably still can close the gap and cut me up pretty good before their body's going to give in to uh, the blood loss or whatever thing I might inflict. So knives suck. Like mm-hmm. I, I really don't want to get sliced up a lot. So I would be thinking a lot in this situation about trying to put distance and objects between me and the threat. That's, a, one, that's one of the beautiful things about knives, right, is that they do require proximity. And so anything you can do to add distance or put objects, you know, bar- barriers between you and the threat, that goes a long way. Now, in this case, maybe, you know, the, the tactical advantage here was blading as if going for a wallet. Guy had asked for money originally, pulls out a knife. Okay, dude, I'll get the money. You know, go grab my wallet and in the course, come back with the gun. So maybe that's that's that element of surprise. And that was the tactic being employed by a good guy, in which case that sounds pretty, pretty viable, right? But um, if it had been me, I might have been also thinking, you know, while I'm feigning compliance, while I'm doing some of these things, what else, what might I be able to do to put distance? For example, I might be like, 
all right, dude, cool. I'll get you some money. I might try and step off of this machine. I, th- I my sense is like ATV style. That's what I'm seeing in my head, you know, with like a sled on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I might, I might try and like put it between me and them. Like, you know, if we have to do the dance around the tree, you know, that, that might be an option. I can, I can put this between me and them and then grab the gun. And now I've increased my odds of success. So I, I would be thinking a lot about how do I put distance and stuff between me and knife. Uh, but all around, yeah, this looks like a win. This looks like a success. No shots oh, fired. Totally. It's perfect outcome, right? Yep. 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 Uh, well, we should do nice to caught. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's still at large, but uh, he won't be coming back to that dude's house. Uh, probably, probably not that not. dude's neighborhood either. <laughs> probably not. All right. On to the next one. This is my favorite of yeah, the day. you got to do this one. All right. So we are in Kentucky. Louisville. I like, you know, I'm liking Kentucky. We spent a week there, right? Like mm-hmm. 2018, Matthew. And yeah. I like Louisville. Yeah. Good good. food. Climate seemed fine. It's kind of like, feels like nostalgic, like old school, it's like not East Coast old school, but for us Western people, like got some good history. All right. So Louisville, here's the deal. What you have is uh, two officers. One to me appears to be like a patrol cop, wears a uniform. The other one's a detective. Okay. So Officer Nicole Mc. Cown, maybe McKeown. I don't know how to say that last name. Officer Nicole and her husband, Detective Chase, they were eating at a Raising Cane's restaurant. The way that's written, it gives me the impression that must be a chain. Like there must be a lot of those. I don't know. I've never heard of Raising Cane's before. Uh, people in the comments who are here live tell me if I should eat at a Raising Cane's. We have them. So, here. yeah. Oh, you good. do have them? Are they yeah, any good? Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Is it yeah. a burger place or? No, it's chicken. It's okay. Chicken so, like a Chick fil A type. Sort of, yeah. Okay. Yeah, all right. Good well, stuff. I like chicken. Okay. <laughs> so they're in a, they're in a raising canes and they're eating. It's their date night. Uh, they, you know, they apparently, according to them, uh, that let's see, as it says, being proactive and maintaining a healthy relationship that McCohen's frequently go on dates as recommended by their church. These, so these are people who have a regularly scheduled date night, which I think is awesome. Um, I think that's super cool. So, so they're there. They're uh, having a good old time eating some chicken, apparently, and they see some bad things happening, okay? Uh, They see a bad guy walk into the Raising Canes wearing a black hoodie pulled up and a white mask on his face. He pulls out a handgun from his waistband and orders the employees to hand over the money, okay? Now, this is all on surveillance video. So, at this point, you see these two officers, married couple, uh, sitting at their booth in the back. And they notice something's going down and you can see they kind of exchange a few words and they nod and then they draw their concealed firearms, but neither of them are in, are in uniform, they, right? They're on a date night. They draw their concealed firearms and quickly and quietly advance on the suspect, splitting up and taking different avenues of approach as would be expected for two cops right. uh, who understand how to do a contact and how to cover each other, right? So yeah, as they do so, our BG, his name's Carter, he catches sight of them and says, that looks like something I don't want to dance with. <laughs> and he runs out the front door. Yes. The officers, because again, they these are sworn officers, they pursue and catch the suspect with the assistance of nearby patrol units. Very cool. That's roughly the end of the story. Okay. What do you think, Matthew? Yeah, really. I mean, it's a really cool story, right? So, 
Um, this is one of those things where obviously they're both plain clothes. Um, probably wouldn't have happened if one of them was in uniform, but they're both in plain clothes and they're observant, right? Like they're, I think it, when I look at it, it looks like they're the only other customers in the store, um, but they're observant. And that I think is the key right here because they're, they're aware of what's going on and they see something weird, obviously somebody with a, a mask on, right? Um, but I mean, today in coronavirus, you know, people walking around with surgical stuff over their face all the time. So maybe that's just not enough. But, you know, they see they say, hey, he's kind of acting weird, produces a firearm. And they they didn't freeze. They didn't like get into this whole big dialogue and like you do this and you do this and you get on the phone. And it was more of, hey, we kind of already knew what we were going to do, but we just confirmed with each other that, hey, you're going to go over here and I'm going to go over here and let's get this guy. and. You know, I think that that's one of those things where we sometimes um, get overcomplicate situations, and especially if we're with our family or something, we're like, okay, if this happens, you're going to do this, and and I'm, and sometimes you, you know, you if you do this training, and if if you're on the same page as your spouse or the person you're with, it's almost an un unspoken kind of acknowledgement of, yeah, we both know what we have to do in this situation. I don't have to tell you and you don't have to tell me. And that helped in this situation big time. Um, they obviously, you know, pursue them because like you said, they're sworn officers and, and they have that power to affect an arrest like that. And, and, you know, they're, they're trying and, uh, hope, you know, I, I imagine that one of them either maybe had it, maybe he had a radio with them, or maybe he had a cell phone and called dispatch and was kind of giving them directions to, to, to be able to work with, uh, work with patrol and, and get this guy in custody. But it, it was just really cool story. Um, nobody got shot, nobody got killed and everything ended up cool. And, um, it's one of those stories, you know, like, and if you're an officer and ever really want to, um, you know, date or marry a dispatcher, that's a that's a perfect ma match. I know so many officers that end up marrying dispatchers and dispatchers that marry officers and stuff. So if you're in the in the hunt for a, a police officer as a spouse, become a dispatcher and, you know, the, the sparks will probably fly. That's news to me. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big yeah time. I mean, it's just all that time on the phone and radio together. Yeah, I think I, and I think that's, you know, you're trusting this dispatcher with your life a lot of times, right? Like you go out on traffic stops and do these things and you're, you're expecting them to, to look after you and take care of you and dispatch cars and get stuff to you. And it, you get this, you know, this, uh, attachment to people, um, that you work with like that. So it's, it is one of those things that it's, it's true. So, okay. Well, it's good to know. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah, I don't yeah. think either of these two were, were didn't, did it say that they had been dispatchers? I don't think it did. Yeah. I think that the, 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 yeah, she was a dispatcher. She was before. a dispatcher. Now of she's course. on patrol. Gotcha. Course, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, now it's all adding up. Um, <laughs> there you go. Some people in the comments reminded us that uh, Springfield Armory made a big deal out of the fact that it turned out both of these officers were wearing uh, or were carrying Hellcats, the Springfield Hellcat mm. uh, undercover. Or I should say off-duty. That, that was their off-duty gun. Hmm. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, it would make that. sense. They're both carrying the same gun, I suppose. You know, they're all on the same page about that kind of thing. I think this is one of those interesting ones where I think we all, we say all the time in our industry that, you know, train with your spouse and be on the same page and talk about this. And all that's valid and good and true, but basically none of us do. And primarily because in my experience, it's pretty rare to find a household where you have two spouses that are both that committed. Right. 
Um, I think I think that the vast majority, like over 95% of the people who hear my voice right now listening to this or watching this probably know that you know, you're in a household where you are the person who primarily has decided to be proactive about this, about uh, an armed defense, and your spouse probably has not. I think there's very few exceptions. Um, I think I think it's a minority thing. So I guess I would ask you to consider that sounds super cool. But if you if it was you and your spouse at the what was it raising canes yeah at the raising yeah. canes, then what would it look like for your family? You know if if your spouse is not the type to carry a gun, mine's mine generally is not. You know my wife doesn't generally carry. Sometimes she does, but generally she does not. Then what what would this look like for you? What would you do? You know what? How would it be different if you decided I I want to respond? And you may choose not to respond. By the way, that would be an adequate decision that that none of us would blame anyone for. You right. might choose not to, to to respond. You might choose to instead increase your your odds of survival and put yourself in a better tactical position. Uh, if you did choose to respond, what would you do with your spouse? Leave them at the table. <laughs> so you might you know these are things that you might be thinking through and and considering. Um, anyway, something to think about, I guess. And yeah. yeah, I guess look for, you know, become a dispatcher if you want to marry a cop. That's the other <laughs> other takeaway there. All right. Yes. Anything else on that one? Oh, I, I guess one, one last thought. Sorry, Matthew. Uh, uh, we didn't say this explicitly, though. We both hinted at this. And I think it's important to note that officers, not only might they, not only do they have the, the arresting power, the arresting authority, uh, so therefore chasing after these people in order to arrest them um, is a viable opportunity, an option for, for two sworn officers. But in many departments, they would also have a uh, obligation to do so. Um, right. In fact, many departments they would have an obligation to act to start with. You know, to, to choose to not engage and just continue to eat your chicken might be against the department's policy. Uh, Matthew, if if this was your department where you served uh, as a police officer, would you have had an obligation to act? Uh, I I mean I I think that it would probably be an unspoken obligation, right? Like. Um, I don't think that you would be prosecuted or anything, right? But you would be persecuted for sure, because that is your job. And, and, um, and unless, unless maybe you had your child there, you know, you have a four-year-old sure. child or something, then people are going to say, of course, you know, but I think in this case, uh, if, if all the facts were the same, I think if these two didn't and just kind of like stood there and let the place get robbed or, or whatnot, um, I think that they would have been chastised vigorously if that makes any sense but yeah and would you have had an obligation to pursue uh not necessarily to to pursue um you probably you know people would have said why didn't you because that's what every cop off duty wants is to be there to be able to intervene because we're always like responding um and so but uh, as far as like a legal obligation, I, I don't th- I mean, I don't know their, you know, the, the, the laws in, in um, Kentucky, but I don't think that they would have a legal obligation to go and pursue them uh, ver- outside of, you know, yeah. unless they could see that they were a menace, like shoot an active shooting shooter, you know, shooting people as they ran down the street or something like that. Sure. Sure. Well, that's why I'm asking. I think that's good context to understand that this couple uh, made some proactive decisions uh, based and it seemed like it didn't take much of, it wasn't much of a decision for them. They just did right. stuff. And it was but, like, yeah, of course, you know, this is what we're gonna do. And an important thing is, is also they would be co- covered under like qualified immunity, the same kind of uh, immunity that they would be covered if they were on duty. 
So as, as a civilian, you wouldn't have that same, you know, um, same coverage. So, um, so yeah, so legal, legal things kind of change too in your use of force, like a, a civilian going out there and trying to affect an arrest and saying, you know, you injure the person that you're trying to arrest or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We got our last story here and we're getting close to our hour mark. So I think we'll go ahead and cover this last one and then, and then we'll call it quits. We are in Fresno, California. Hmm. And <laughs> this one's kind of funny and crazy here. So imagine you're in your home. Okay. It's 10 PM at night. And you start hearing some knocking at the door, some pretty vigorous knocking, and someone's yelling, sheriff's office, sheriff's office. <laughs> okay. Now, you probably think that's odd. It's 10 o'clock at night after all. Uh, so that's kind of weird. And uh, while you're trying to decide what to do, the suspects force their way into the living room area. They busted the front door and forced their way into the living room area. Now, at this point, uh, it says that the homeowner knew for sure that these people were not sheriff's deputies because they weren't wearing any uniforms. And so the homeowner and suspects start shooting at each other. One suspect was hit in the upper body and died at the scene. The other suspects got away. And that's plural, so I must assume there's at least three BGs involved here. The homeowner's wife, child, and another man were inside the house at the time. Thankfully, none of them were hurt. So, so far as we can tell, the only injury is the death of the BG who was struck uh, in, in the chest. Right. So, what do you take from that one, Matthew? Yeah, is it, this is a crazy one, right? Because we don't typically think that um, somebody's going to be calling, you, you know, you know, sheriff's department, and then kick open the door. Um, whatever you know, keyed these people to. It, from reading it, it seems like as they were yelling sheriff's department and pounding on the door, that they thought that something wasn't right, so they started to either arm themselves or or get in a position where other people left the, you know, the the younger kids left the room, and and um, they were kind of preparing for something. Um, but this is like one of those scary things, right? Like. So it was obviously wasn't sheriff's deputies that kicked open the door. Um, but if it were right, like this is one of those things. So it's just, it's, it's scary. And it's, it's one of those things where this is that gray area where obviously you don't want to shoot a police officer coming in your, in your home. And this is why, you know, no knock warrants are not normally granted, um, except under real extreme circumstances, they don't normally typically issue warrants for uh, at night, again, unless it's extreme circumstances um, to, to kind of, you know, keep from these types of things crossing over and police end up getting shot or shooting uh, homeowners that truly believe that, hey, I, I haven't done anything wrong and the sheriff's department is kicking in my door at, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. This doesn't seem right. Um but yeah, this is a scary one. This is really scary. Yeah. I'm thinking a lot uh, outside of the whole, you know, claiming to be sheriff's thing. I'm thinking a lot about the tactics here. This is a situation where um, our intruders, at least three of them, kick in a door and then enter the living area. So if if you're in this home, that doesn't give you a lot of time to choose to how to respond, right? You're like, right. okay. Oh crap! Uh, maybe they're sheriffs. Maybe they're not. You're all tied up already, trying to decide if they're really who they say they are, and they're pounding on this door pretty hard. And you're like, "Oh, oh my gosh! Like, what's going on?" And then all of a sudden, poof! They they breach, they make entry, and you still are kind of wondering if these are actually sheriff deputies or not. Right. And you have very little time to make some decisions. 
right? When so all, all of a sudden, very quickly, they're in the living area, they have guns in their hands, and they're not in uniforms, and you have a threat. Yeah. At this point, what you are you're hoping and praying <laughs> is that you've already taken some action to create a tactical advantage, that you've already put something between you and them, that you already have uh, pursued some form of cover or concealment, that you have something you've done, you know, you've hopefully acted in advance of the door being kicked in to get, put yourself in a strong position. You've already told the innocent parties to go hold up in the safe room. You've already decided, okay, I'm going to start to move this way and I'm going to move like this so that I maintain a position of cover should they br- you know, breach and make entry right now. I've already assigned someone to go call 911, right? And verify that these people, you know, I, so the, the point I guess I'm trying to make is you better move very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this is definitely not a scenario where the homeowner ran upstairs to the bedroom and retrieved the gun from the safe. Yeah, they probably. had the gun on them. I, I, it, it, the way this reads, that had to have been the case. And can you imagine if they had not, yeah. if they had not had the gun on them, they w- this would have been toast. Like, I don't know, if, you know, what the, the intruder's intentions were, but they came in shooting so far as it, it seems to me, or at least they were, they were quickly ready to return fire if the homeowner was the one who shot first. So I guess my thought would be when you get that ghost signal, when something's wrong, don't wait. Don't, don't wonder what's going like move now, move now. They may be cops. They may not be, but the time is now, you know, start ordering people around, start seeking that position of cover, ready the firearm and, and, and do what needs to be done now. So yeah, my thoughts. I totally agree. That was a, that's one of those times, right? Like you, you, you don't have the time to run to a different room and get a, get a firearm probably. So either have multiple firearm staged, you know, securely or however uh, you decide to do that, but securely probably be the best in different areas of the home. So you can access a a firearm if it's not on your person. We have some comments from those who are viewing live who uh, say that they have watched some of our home defense video training. We have a product out there called complete home defense. It's eight plus hours of video training. Uh, You can buy it in online streaming or you can buy it uh, on DVD. It's three DVDs because it's that long. Uh, And that's something you can find at concealedcare.com forward slash CHD. I love it when people like prompt me to advertise (laughs) my own stuff. That's awesome. Uh, We also have kind of these mini, uh, video programs. They're less than an hour each, one called Bump in the Night, another one called Door Ambush. They are subsets of that Complete Home Defense. So if you buy Complete Home Defense, you you should not buy Door Ambush or Bump in the Night. But if you're like, oh my gosh, this Complete Home Defense thing is a little out of my price range right now, you can go get Door Ambush or Bump in the Night for less than less than 10 bucks, I think is what we sell it for. So you can find those in our online store as well. Okay. Super fun. That was great. That was uh, that was really exciting. A lot of good stories from today, Matthew. Appreciate you you digging these up for us. Oh yeah, thank you. This is this is always fun. So. Now, before you guys disappear, we do need to pull some winners. We yes. did last week uh, by nature of the content we did in our podcast last week. We did not pull our normal weekly winner. So today we're actually going to pull two winners. Uh, one would be our uh, the new bold nine mm dummy rounds, right? And was there another one? Matthew, am I crazy? Uh, there was, but um, it was something that uh, we didn't have uh, a, a DVD of. So, oh, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll get that person a different DVD. So we'll just right. say you're gonna we'll, we'll give them the door ambush DVD. How about that? Sounds great. So okay, are you logged in, Matthew, or should I log in so I, we can pull these winners? I can pull it up really quickly if you. We'll do see like which of us gets there fastest. How All about right, that? Let's see. Here we go. 
I'm imagining you're going to get there quicker. Okay. A reminder why we're doing this, guys, every single week in Tuesday, on Tuesday, we pull a winner. Got you it. do not need to be present to win. You do not have to be here when we're recording live. All you have to do is go to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize and fill out the uh, entry form to win. You can do that. You need to do it every week because uh, if you do it once, you're not entered permanently, right? It, it cycles every week. So generally, those are up on the site from Tuesday through Monday. That's kind of roughly the, the cycle. So make sure you always enter these giveaways. And if you share the link with friends and they also enter via the link you shared, you get additional entries into that giveaway. You can have, I think, up to 10 or up to 11 total oh, yes. entries. So uh, make sure that you register each week at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. Yes. All right, sir. Matthew, who's, who, uh, which prize is first? Which one? Are we All drawing? right. Adding a winner is first name Mike. Last name starts with an R. Um, it is a Gmail address and it's your name and last name in six, three. So we will. Okay. I think so, we'll email you and yeah, let you know, right? Congratulations, Mike, Mike or Mark? Mike, right? Mike, Mike. Mike R. Congratulations, Mike, Mike R, R, which is Mike something 63 at gmail.com. Uh, congrats to you. You And what did he win? Which prize was this? This is a nine millimeter Newbold dummy ammo pack five. Okay, five, pack uh, of five yeah. dummy rounds from Newbold. It's a great product. Value of about 10 bucks there. Okay, excellent. And we love those dummy rounds, by the way, guys. If you're looking for dummy rounds, go to concealedcarry.com and just go to our store. And we have a whole product category for dummy ammo. Uh, we sell a lot of dummy ammo. We, I was just in the warehouse shipping a bunch of it an hour or two ago. All right, next. Now we're pulling the winner of the Door Ambush DVD. Is that what we're doing? That is correct. Let me okay. Door Ambush. Here Let we go. Pull this up. Where did it go? Where did it go? Uh, I am. Give me one second to try to. There we go. Okay. Um, oh shoot. You know what? I don't know if this is going to let me pick a winner because it was, oh, there we go. Uh, first name Scott. And then the last name starts with a D Scott D. Yeah. And it's lynchburg.net email address. Okay. There you go. Scott D, you're the winner of the Door Ambush DVD. And just a reminder for everybody, when we talk about all you know DVDs and videos like that, uh, generally we sell the DVD and the streaming access together because certainly there's plenty of you out there who don't even have DVD players anymore. Uh, so you know, if, you, if you're interested in these programs, door, you know, the Door Ambush or the Complete Home Defense or any of these that we've mentioned today, uh, go to our store and you, you have the choice. Uh, some of them you, you, you can choose to buy one or the other, or in some cases they're sold together. You can choose to buy them together in a combo but uh, all of our video courses are available for online streaming access yes, all right there's our winners next week what can people enter to win matthew they are trying to win a free concealed carry tactical pen okay so go to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize sometime in the next week and you can enter to win your free tactical pen that's a pretty sweet deal free is always a sweet deal i mean it's just hard to lose so with that said, guys, a reminder of our sponsors today. Uh, we are, today's sponsors are CCW Safe and Fighting from Cover. You can learn more about CCW Safe at ccwsafe.com. Get the protection and coverage you need for you and your family. And Fighting from Cover, as you heard from today's news stories, 
cover plays a part in almost every single self-defense incident and knowing how to use it properly and return fire at the same time could be the difference in your positive outcome go to concealedcarry.com forward slash ffc which stands for fighting from cover as always we'd like to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast on your mobile or listening device this is the surest and easiest way of always having access to the podcast so get that done click subscribe go find if you're listening to this in the browser or on facebook or youtube or anywhere else make sure you go to, to podcast.concealedcarry.com and subscribe via an app on your phone or your computer so that you never miss a show you never miss an episode we also appreciate all those of you who like us on follow us on facebook instagram twitter and youtube if you haven't already done so you're missing out we put a lot of content up there it's not just this podcast and you should definitely check it out and i'd also encourage you to check out the other podcasts in our network go to podcasts.concealedcare.com to see all four of the shows podcast shows that we have now part of our network there you have it so with that everyone remember to train right train off and train safe so you can fight hard fight fast and fight true a reminder that laws vary from place to place and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws the concealed carry podcast concealed carry inc concealed and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm related incidents and laws but things could be different where you live or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this we cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast